0: And so today, um, as uh, a a sermon that I will be preaching here for the next few weeks, uh, we're going to be going through a short series through the book of Colossians. Uh, We haven't really done very many series before, and we haven't really worked our way through a book, even if it's a short book. So it's a really exciting time, I think, for us to kind of dig deep into the word. Um, For those who are joining us today via video, you might not be able to get the second and third parts, but. They'll be posted online as well, so we hope that you can finish out the series through that. Um, Before we actually jump into the passage for today, um, I kind of wanted to give a little bit of background. Um, The seminary I... Graduated from is a real seminary. It's an actual school. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so just rest assured, you know, uh, that, that it's a legit school. Um, I've been serving here uh, as part of this community for a while now. And for the last two slash three months, uh, I've actually been taking time off. And during this time, I've been able to actually go abroad and connect with different people as well. Different people who are in the ministry, different people who have come through our community and ministered here as well. Um, and I have been so grateful I think uh, I would grateful is the word that I would use to describe by the kind of support and prayer uh, that we're receiving from people all over the world. And I'm not exaggerating when I say all over the world, like I've been meeting up with people, let's, like not just from around Seoul in this area, but also from California, Kansas City, Hong Kong, Tennessee, the Philippines, Malaysia, Taiwan, Singapore, Kona, uh, Virginia, New York, like just from people from all different places um, that have heard about what New Philly is going through. And I've been so humbled and so grateful to hear about their prayers for us. Even people that might not have very much of a connection with us, um, they are rallying around New Philly. They're offering their support, their prayers. Let us know what you need, and and we'll be there for you. Tell us how we can serve you through the season. Um, And it's been such an incredible gift to be prayed for by the rest of the body of Christ in this way. Just so you guys know, there's people all over the world cheering for you guys. And what they're cheering for isn't just that you make it through okay, like just barely scrape by and salvage something, or just make it through the season. They are praying for a measure of greater glory. They're praying for revival. They're praying for growth. It's not just maintaining what we have, but they're really hopeful and praying for us to not just make it out okay, but really see God moving in a fresh way in our community. So I hope you guys feel those prayers. There's so much grace over our community through the season. Um, I can just briefly uh, talk about maybe one instance where I met up with um, a pastor and and a leader uh, who has ministered in our community a couple times already. I don't want to name drop because he might be a little bit embarrassed by this, but he's from Kansas city and he's ministered to us twice already back in like 2012 or 13 once. And then once in 2016, I believe. Um, And this was what he said about what he saw. And this is him fully knowing what our community is walking through. He said, no matter what kind of, um, no matter what kind of ways things have been, twisted and and warped throughout the years and how much um, even spiritual abuse you guys have gone through as a community, like what I saw in 2016 and what I saw in 2012 was genuine. And I have been to hundreds and hundreds of ministries all around the world, but what I saw at New Philly was one of a kind your hunger for God, your desire to follow him and love him wholeheartedly, that is something that no, no one can steal that away from you guys. And that is something that you still carry. And if you manage to find your way back to that, there's hope for you, new Philly. And, you know, you're saying, like, just say the word and I'll be there. And I would love to connect with you guys. And I'm really busy, but, man, like, you guys are on my heart. And I would love to be able to continue to pray and walk alongside you guys. And so this is, this multiplied by like a hundred. This is what we've been getting from so many pastors and so many leaders from all around the world. Um, So I hope that this is something that is very encouraging to you guys for you to hear. No matter what we're going through as a community, there's so many people cheering for us. So many people that are praying for us. And as hard as things are here Maybe you might feel it or you might not feel it. There's such supernatural grace for us to walk through this um, and walk through it well. So on that note, um, today's passage is going to be from Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And today's message is going to be titled the hope of the gospel the hope of the gospel. What we're going to do today is actually we're going to comb through the 23 chapters that we read today. We're going to comb through that. We're going to kind of um, deconstruct it a little bit. And then after going through the entire passage, we're going to land on a three point summary of what these 23 verses are talking about. So let's start with verses one through two. It starts out by saying, Paul, An apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. So, this is Paul, the most high profile Christian in his generation, the only one who's, well, except for Jesus, Jesus already ascended by then. Um, So, he's the most high-profile person in the Christian world that is alive at this time. He is addressing the small church in a city called Colossae. And the outstanding thing about this church in a city called Colossae is that it's not all that outstanding. It is an average church. It is not a high-profile megachurch. Like like Ephesus was it's not in in a city that um, is able to affect the entire area around it like as if it were in Rome it's a small town it's a small city um, that is a ways off from Ephesus and this church was planted by a person called epaphras Paul hasn't even been to this church he's only heard reports about this church, and so the most kind of striking thing about this church is that even if it wasn't high profile, even if, even if it wasn't a huge multiplying mega church in its time, the most high profile person of that time in the Christian world took the time to write a letter to this church. Paul had received a report of them about certain things that they were struggling with. And one key thing that they were struggling with was heretical teachings at that time. It, they were struggling with heretical teaching that denied the deity of Christ. So it said that there's all these powers and principalities, and then Christ is submitted under them. It got, uh, Christ is not fully God, basically. So there, there was a heresy that they were kind of struggling with. In the midst of this, as they're a struggling church that is fighting to stay true to the faith, Apostle Paul, who is always filled with fire and zeal, he addresses this church not in condescension, not in rebuke, but he opens up this letter by calling them holy and faithful brothers. And he prays for them. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. There's warmth. There's encouragement in his words and in his tone. And there is zeal to see them come to the faith. Now the st- The next portion, verses three to halfway through six, Paul reveals that him and Timothy, they have been praying for them. And it's not from any place. It's not like he's sitting back in his little kind of study, sitting back in an armchair with a Bible open and praying for them. He's praying for them from prison, right? He's interceding on behalf of their church. And this is what he says. We always thank God. The father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints. Summary of this is we have heard that you love God and you love God's people. This is the report that he has res- uh, heard about the church of Colossians. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven And that you have already heard about in the word of truth. The gospel that has come to you. So the fact that they are loving God and loving one another is the simple outworking of one thing and one thing only. And that is the gospel. The gospel is a seed from which all these things come forth. Now we move on. He talks about something that goes far beyond the borders and the limitations of their small local community. And that is that the gospel itself, the seed that has been sown in their midst is a gospel that is unstoppable. He says all over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing. So it's bearing fruit. It's effective. And not just that it is growing. It is ever increasing. Even in that moment, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it, And understood God's grace and all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. And who also told us of your love in the spirit. So this is a seed that was sown through a church planter and an evangelist called Epaphras. This is where this church has sprung from. It is not from a massive, you know, revival service or um, from anything that was super grand. It was just this one man that took the gospel message and took it to his home and began to share it. And from there, there was no stopping this gospel. And often, isn't the fact that the gospel is unstoppable, isn't this what we need to be reminded of? especially when we begin to be confronted by the fragility of our human efforts in ministry. Sometimes when we feel like we don't have things together, when we feel like we don't have the answers just yet, when we're not well put together and composed and well packaged and, you know, like we have it all down, our ducks are not all in a row. In the midst of this, what we often need to be reminded of is that the gospel is unstoppable. His kingdom will continue to advance. It doesn't matter what kind of seasons we go through as a ministry. It doesn't matter what kind of seasons you may go through as an individual. There's been so many people that have been walking through personal crisis, family crisis, work crisis. In the midst of this, Apostle Paul wants to remind us that all over the world, this gospel continues to bear fruit and continues to grow. That should be something that strengthens our inner man. This is something that should kind of give us that second wind to continue to move forward. The fact that no matter what the enemy does, no matter what kind of situations we are in, the gospel will only continue to move forward. Now, let's continue Colossians chapter one, verses nine through 12 for this reason. Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this, and this is key, in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. This is the reason why they're praying. This is the reason why he's interceding on behalf of the Colossians from prison. It's not so that they might become mega church is not that they might bypass all the challenges and the trials that they might go through. It's not so that they can go on business as usual. It's not that they might make a name for themselves. It is so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. It is as simple as that. And as I was reflecting on this, even from the standpoint of a church of New Philly. Isn't this what God is after in this season? I think often we might get distracted by so many different things that we want to aim for and we want to go after in every season. But underneath all of that, what I feel like God's heart is for our community at this hour is simply that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. That's all it boils down to. Our church might look very different in in the weeks to come, in the months to come. And this is no secret. We've kind of made it very public. We might need to change things around. We might need to redistribute finances and resources. We may need to shift congregations around. There might be so many things that are changing in the next few weeks. But in the midst of all this, our challenge isn't for us to fight for our new Philly brand or to make sure that we just stay, uh, stay in status quo and maintain what we have right now is simply that we live a life worthy of the Lord in every circumstance, through every season, through every change, that we live a life worthy of the Lord. And this is what Paul says living a life worthy of the Lord looks like. First, it is bearing good fruit in every good work. So there is action. It is the gospel lived out. Simply said second, it is growing in the knowledge of God. There should be an increasing knowledge of God, especially. And I say, especially through heart seasons. If our circumstances are not catapulting us into the word and into the knowledge of God, then it is a missed opportunity on our end. If we are not increasing and growing in the knowledge of God, we are missing a very precious window of opportunity that we've been given by God. And this is the third thing, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. In other words, another way in which we live a life worthy of the Lord is displaying strength unto endurance and patience. The fact that we're talking about endurance and patience, it presupposes that things are not going to look peachy all the time, right? You don't really need endurance or patience if things are going according to plan. Is that right? Right? When uh, When you pray to God, Lord, give me patience, you're praying for an opportunity to show patience and grow in patience, right? In the same way, This is presupposing that things are not going to go our way all the time, that there will be seasons where we will be tried and tested. And during that time, that is when it matters the most for us to be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, so that we may have great endurance and patience. And lastly, fourth, what it looks like to live a life worthy of the Lord. It is being able to joyfully give thanks to the father. This is something that Pastor Benjamin talked about last week. About how in the midst of every season, we have to stay grounded in the joy of the Lord and in thanksgiving. New Philadelphia Church, we cannot make it out of the season of transition. We cannot make it out well if the circumstances have robbed us of our joy. If we don't make it out of the season with thanksgiving on our lips. We have to be able to joyfully give thanks to the Father. Because he has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. So living a life that is worthy of the Lord looks like four things. The gospel lived out, increasing knowledge of God, strength unto endurance and patience. And lastly, it looks like Thanksgiving. That makes it very simple. That makes makes what our challenge is up ahead a lot more doable and less ambiguous. Now, moving on, verses 13 to 14. Why can we live this kind of life? And what empowers us to live the life that is fruitful, that is ever-increasing in knowledge, enduring and patient, and filled with thanksgiving? This is the reason. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the finished work of God. This is not by our merit, not by any new plan or strategy that we might have to navigate the season of transition. It is simply by what he has already done through his finished work. We are now redeemed and forgiven of our sins. And after this point where Paul seems to just be encouraging and exhorting the Colossian church, he like breaks out into song. And this is the meat of this passage. We cannot talk about any of these things unless we are fixed on the nature and the character of who Christ is. It's like sometimes when we read through these verses, we think of this like really stiff guy with no sense of humor, kind of like, Oh, here we go again. The Colossian church is misbehaving. Let me do this and don't do that. And we imagine this kind of like very dry, um, you know, very, yeah, like very dry, crusty old man, like writing letters to these churches, but nothing could be further from the truth. This is a guy who's like bursting at the seams with praise. And it is at this point that we see it in all its glory. He breaks out into song. It's almost like prose can no longer uh, express what he needs to say. And this is what he says. He bursts into a Christological Psalm almost. He is... The image of the invisible invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is making such a strong point that no matter what kind of Situation you're going through, you need to remember this. Christ is supreme over all. Ground yourself in this truth. Christ is supreme over all. There is no power in heaven or in hell. There's nothing that can happen to you here on earth that will be able to dethrone Christ from his rightful place. He is supreme over all. And not just that, he moves on to say that he is the head of the body, the church. Stop right there that in itself should give us hope as god's church as god's people the fact that we are not a beheaded body i guess like if you were trying to think about it like like kind of like in imagery wise like we're not a beheaded body trying to make do with whatever we have we have a head and his name is christ and life flows through him and the body will conform to the likeness of the head The body will begin to act and move and look like the one who is the head. That is our hope. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Christ who is supreme overall is also supreme and head over the church. And that should be our confidence. That should be the solid rock in which we stand today. Paul moves on to remind us of what God has done and who we are because of it. And this is what the head has done on behalf of the body. Once you're alienated from God. And you are enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. He reminds us of who we were before what he did on our behalf. And now who we are and what we can stand as as a church. We are now reconciled. We are redeemed. We are without blemish and free from accusation. And this is the last portion from this passage. This is the condition. You can have access to all these different things. And this is the condition. If you continue in your faith, it is not a new teaching that needs to come in like a gospel 2.0 that needs to be preached. It is simply if you continue in your faith. Continue to move forward with the gospel that you have heard, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Continue in your faith. Continue to believe the gospel that you have already heard, that has already taken root and is already bearing fruit and is already growing within your midst. I feel like this is the exhortation that God has for us as a church. It is not bring in all these new things and new strategies and let's try to work our way around it. The first first order of importance in what we need to do, our tasks that are up ahead, are simply continue your faith. Be reminded of the gospel, who you are because of the gospel that has already Has already taken root in your midst. So in essence. Verses 1 through 23. This is the hope. Of the gospel. That apostle Paul presents us with. This was both applicable. To the church of Colossians back then. And it is also applicable. To us today. The first hope that we have in the gospel. Is simply that Christ is supreme over everything. This needs to be established as our solid rock. Although we don't outright at New Philly, you know, struggle with heresies that question the divinity of Christ. You know, we're we're not struggling with that in particular. How many times functionally does that play out in our lives where we do question the divinity of Christ, where we question his lordship over our lives? How many times are we functionally actually heretical? In that way, we can say all we want. We can profess all we want with our, with our lips. We can think all we want theologically, but then the way that we live out, how many times do we live as people who don't believe in the gospel of truth? And so this is something that we need to be grounded in as a church as well. Sometimes we truly need to be reminded that Christ is supreme over our circumstances of our struggles, our situations back situations back at home or at work. Christ is supreme over everything. Second, is that we are redeemed despite of everything. Despite everything that we have done, everything that we might believe, everything that might be in our past. We are redeemed. Christ's blood is sufficient. There is no sin. That is too great for Christ's blood to cover. And third. The hope of the gospel is that the gospel is bearing fruit and growing through everything. Through all the detours. Through all the delays. All the pause buttons and all the different ways in which we feel like, man, things are not going according to my plan. Through all these things, the gospel is bearing fruit and continues to grow. That is the hope of the gospel that we have for today. Christ is supreme over everything. We are redeemed despite everything. And the gospel is bearing fruit and growing through everything. So what I wanted us to take time with today is actually we wanted I wanted us to take a time to pray. So if we could have um, the worship team come up. It's a very simple message. It's a very short one at that as well. Um, But this is the hope that we have for today. And this is the hope that we have as a church. That there is no power in heaven and in hell or here on earth that could challenge the power of Christ and his sovereignty over us. There's nothing that we have done that could undo the work that Christ has done on our behalf on the cross. We are redeemed despite everything. And no matter what kind of seasons we go through, personally or corporately, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing through everything through our times of transition, through our times of not having the answers to everything, the gospel continues to bear fruit and continues to grow.